Ryan out of the shotgun. The heat's coming again. Goes near sideline. Caught at the one. Touchdown, Falcons. This just in. The Falcons have traded Matt Ryan to the Colts. Matt Ryan was open to a change. Matt Ryan still has a live arm indoors. Can still deliver the football on target down the field. And now you can protect him and you have a running game. Man, this is a win-win. I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz. It's not 28-year-old Matt Ryan. I think they just took the best option they had. Welcome back to ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I am Harry Douglas joined by the lovely and wonderful Amber Wilson. And there's a particular reason why you hear this Atlanta music playing in the background. That's because we have a special guest, Arthur Smith. Yes, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And coach, I, I, I got to tell you this. I was a little nervous because I thought you were going to be nervous calling in because you didn't know what I was going to probably ask you today. Um, I don't worry about that stuff, Harry. I'm ready. <clears throat> I'll answer whatever you got that go at me. <laughs> I feel you, Coach. Now, given your time um, in Tennessee, what makes you believe that Marcus Mariota, who you guys just signed a free agency, can be a winning quarterback for the Falcons? We've done it before, Harry. I mean, you, you were with him. Um, you know, I was living his whole career in Tennessee, and, you know, he's obviously got a high-end talent, and, you know, it's our job. He's, he's grateful for the opportunity. And, you know, he's one of, just like everybody, he's one of the few guys that can get in there that win a, win a playoff game for you. So, and he's done it. Now, there's things that we, he and I need to, to work through. And, uh, and, you know, obviously from our experience in Tennessee. But I'm excited. He's excited for the opportunity. Coach, I know you love the run game, and it's very, very dear to your heart. Um, are you excited about Marcus because you get to uh, put in some of those quarterback runs that make the defense be that much more honest and keep defensive coordinators late up at night? I think we might have had to put Coach on hold because we were trying to fix some audio issues right now with the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons in Arthur Smith. He was not scared of your questions, Harry. He may be a little scared of his phone line, though, because we got we to gotta work on Coach getting a, a better <laughs> phone line connection right now. So we're going to connect back with Arthur Smith. I make people second. nervous, Amber. I make people nervous. You do. You're asking the hard-hitting questions. So uh, the, the Mariota question, I think, was a little bit, a little bit of a layup, but we're going to get to the harder stuff uh, down the stretch here. Obviously, for the Falcons, you know, it's a big season for them because they're transitioning away from their tenure with Matt Ryan 14 years later. We have back the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons in Arthur Smith on the line and coach sorry about that uh now that we're connected to you once again I know you were discussing your relationship with Mariona that comes of course on the heels of Matt Ryan uh leaving your franchise you trading him away what are you going to miss the most about Matt Ryan being at the helm oh, there's a lot of things I'll miss about Matt you know uh we only worked together for one year but uh you know we got close in a hurry I've got so much respect for what he's done for this franchise. And it's really just, just missing when it's the stuff. And Harry can tell you it's the day-to-day stuff. It's not the stuff necessarily out on the field and the meeting rooms and the interactions you have every day. Uh, I can't say enough good things about him. He was the same guy every day and, you know, wishing the best of luck to Andy. Coach, I want to go back to Marcus Mariota because I know how dear the run game is to your heart. And with Marcus being there, you signed Cordell Patterson back. Being able to utilize him in the run game with Cordell, doing a lot of different things that we did in Tennessee when I was there with you guys and Marcus, is that going to be something that uh, you look forward to doing and keeping defensive coordinators laid up at night? Absolutely. It's a different element that you can add. I mean, my job is always play to the strengths of our team. 
no different than getting CP last year, trying to use him different ways. I'm always trying to, to, to push the limits in that regard and understand, like, I've never subscribed to one-size-fits-all. There's certain things still softly, the, you know, style we may want to play up front, uh, but we ha- you have to adapt. And, and so as, as we keep building this thing, we got a long way to go till September, and there's definitely certain things that we can add because Mark's being back there. Head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, on with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. So, Coach, I know you hate the term rebuild. I've heard you use the term transition instead. How would you describe where the Falcons are right now as an organization? I don't hate the term rebuild. It, it's just it, it, it's you, you got to rebuild every year in the NFL. You know, nothing stays the same. And uh, I understand, like, why I said transition is, yes, we, we're going to have a lot of dead cap money. You know, you, sometimes you're going to have to play the long game where we were kind of stuck right in this what, in limbo here, and you don't want to keep reopening contracts and pushing money down to the next year. And so you've got to make a decision. And, and going forward, you know, part of that trade, where we're at, where Matt was at in his career, is, you know, we, we thought it was a great situation in Indy. It also got us a ton of cap room going forward, starting in 23. But there's going to be certain problems or obstacles every season. And so that's, you know, I, I, it wasn't like I was getting defensive of a rebuild. Like, I, like obviously, logically, you understand there's a, there's a huge shift here in Atlanta. But it, it, there's the roster's changed so much year to year. And so philosophically, you know, you've got to pivot sometimes. If, all right, well, maybe this position. We're going to be young in a certain spot. Or what we do to enhance that. So that's kind of where I was going with it. And it wasn't more being defensive of the term rebuild. What was it like for you and Terry Fontenot when y'all found out that Deshaun Watson was not picking the Falcons as his team? Well, I mean, you know, we, we explored different opportunities all the time. And obviously that was a uh, very public exploration, I guess is the best way to put it. But we deal with all kinds of transactions. And, and, you know, you may try to get different players and there's certain players you want in the draft. It doesn't go your way. You always have to have contingency plans no matter what position and what your strategy is because there's always things you can't control. And so it was an exploration, but we do that all the time with certain players. Obviously, that was a high-profile one, but you always have contingency plans. Coach, now I, I still have my helmet and my pads and my shoulder pads. And stuff. Now, you need, do you need a receiver because – um, you know, I'm working out four times a week, and at any point I can come up off the shelf now. Do you need one? Well, I don't know if we want to pay for uh, you know, <laughs> coming in there and pulling pulling a, something, and then, you know, we got to pay you to stand over there with me. So we're already getting you to come out here this spring and help us out, but I, I don't know if we want to be on the hook. Terry might get pissed. Uh, Harry Douglas is a financial risk uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, so I recommend you moving on from that plan. Arthur Smith, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, joining us here on ESPN Radio. So, Coach, uh, let's focus on a player who is currently on your roster in Kyle Pitts. In his second year as your starting tight end, what kind of leap do you expect from him this season? Where where do you expect this to go? Where's the ceiling? He's so phenomenal. Well, it's, you know, certainly there's, you won't have the unknown what it's like going through the NFL season, you know, as he prepares. I always think the hardest season these guys have these rookie years. I mean, especially now. I mean, they go right from the college season. They get in the, you know, the, the pre-combine. They all go somewhere. If they don't play in an all-star game, they get ready for the combine. Then you're in the pro day circuit. Then you're on the visit circuit. Then you get drafted. And then everything just comes out. You know, they blink. And the season starts. And it's just a long year for them. So now he knows what it takes to get through a whole season. 
and he, he had a pretty decent rookie year. We expect him to improve with all our guys. There needs to be a big jump from year one and year two with, with all our guys in that class. And I say, looking at Cal Pitts, uh, Tony Gonzalez was a great tight end that played in Atlanta. You coach a guy named Delaney Walker. What are some of the similarities that you see in Cal Pitts that you've seen in those guys as well? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's hard for me sometimes, Harry. You know, it's like I wouldn't compare you to, to other receivers and guys that I worked with either. Uh, not everybody – at, you know, what, what did you weigh your last year? You, 100 and what, 75? <laughs> so you want to put me on blast like this. It's okay. I'll see you soon. Yes, about 182 pounds. <laughs> no, but all seriousness, <laughs> like, a lot of guys like would have, you know, stereotyped Harry, like he wouldn't go get in the mix at his size, but there may not have been a tougher player that I've worked with that would go in there. Harry would block defensive ends. So where I'm going with it is obviously Tony and, Del- and Delaney were extremely productive players, and, and they were different in the run. They both – knew how to set people up. They had great route craft that, that they developed in, uh, in different ways. And with Kyle, you know, vertically, similar to Delaney, you know, I think the next step for Kyle is, is the second level at the top of the routes, which we saw signs of last year. Um, but, you know, they're just – they're all different players, and hopefully Kyle has the kind of production that both Tony and Delaney had. Finally here, Harry, Coach. I tied it back in. I gave you credit, You did. You tied it all together. Finally here, Coach, <laughs> on the way out, and thanks so much for giving us some of your time. You all have the eighth pick in this upcoming draft. I don't think you're probably going to tell us who you're drafting or even what position. I mean, go ahead if you want to, but I don't think that you're probably going to do that for us here. How busy are you right now, though, evaluating that talent? What is that process for you like right now? Yeah, no, you're obviously the – as every place I've been is a little bit different, but uh, our scouts have done a tremendous job. I mean, they, they, they work on this class. I mean, they're, you know, years out and they go on the road and coaches, we get into it after the season and, and we try to collaborate, uh, been a few pro days and you're just grinding through the tape and we'll, we'll, we'll go through another round of meetings and, um, and then just like everything, everything else. I mean, that, you know, you'll, you'll have certain guys that you target, but things are going to be out of your control. You know, players get picked ahead of you and, you know, you, you know, maybe maybe you trade back, and there's all so you got to you got to plan for all that. And once you kind of zero in on guys that you target, Coach, I'll thank you for joining us today on ESPN Radio. It's greatly appreciated. You have a blessed day now. All right, appreciate it, Harry. Thank. Coming up next, Aaron Rodgers has lost two of his top three wide receivers from last season. So, what's the plan in Green Bay? That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio. Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. It would be that he would likely finish his career there, which he always said he wanted to do. He is staying in Green Bay. Does really set a tone now for the offseason in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is a generational talent, and if you can keep him locked up at a high elite level for longer than you thought, that's a good thing. They're going to start cutting prices, and they're going to start cutting players. That's what they're going to start doing. Remember when we thought Aaron Rodgers' future was going to be the biggest story of the offseason? That feels like years ago, Harry Douglas. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get you a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So Aaron Rodgers decided to stay in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and others decided to leave. 
Devontae Adams, most notably, he did not stay. We all thought that if Aaron Rodgers was staying, that Devontae Adams was staying, and maybe Devontae Adams wasn't staying because Aaron Rodgers was staying. I don't know what happened there. He is now catching footballs from Derek Carr this season. Valdez Scantling also has left Green Bay. He is now on the Kansas City Chiefs catching balls from Patrick Mahomes. By the way, that's quite the career catching balls from Aaron Rodgers and then Patrick Mahomes. So that man's doing something right in life, Harry Douglas. But do the Packers now have a receiver problem? Oh, do they? Yes, they do. Because right now on the roster, they have uh, Alan Lazard, they have Amari Rodgers, and they have Randall Cobb as the three receivers. Now, uh, it's to my knowledge that I think they, at some point, they were bringing another free agent. If they don't do it that way, they're going to bring in a guy uh, through the draft. Now, I have to say this because the Green Bay Packers, the year before last, I actually had an opportunity doing some work for the Falcons. I had to scout a lot of teams that they were playing. And the week they were playing the Falcons, they were down a lot of bodies. And I actually love the job that they did uh, being down a lot of receivers or uh, of incorporating their running backs in the pass game, right? Aaron Jones. At the time, it was Jamal Williams. And did I think they had any chance of the pass game being efficient like it was that day? No. But when what they showed me is the versatility of their running backs, a guy like Aaron Jones who can go outside and run a hitch, which is good. You run up five yards, turn around the balls there. He runs a slant. He runs a go route. He runs a shallow route, which is three or four yards, and you're coming across the field, a quarterback hits you. He has the ability to do all those things. Him and, um, and A.J. Dillon this year, between the two, had 700 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. Now, I also believe when you look at this Green Bay Packers offense, they're going to focus a little bit more on the run game. Right. When you look at a Matt LaFleur offense, that offense came from a Kyle Shanahan tree or a Mike Shanahan tree. Let's just say Shanahan period. So I think this year is going to be a year that they can actually focus more on the run game. Then they also get um, I think it's Tryon. I think it's the, uh, the tight end's name. I think they re-signed him, Trunyan, who tore his ACL last year. So he's going to be able to be a factor. But I do believe that they have to bring in another wide receiver. Now, a few receivers that come to mind, Amber. I look at guys who have played in this type of offense already. A guy like a Odell Beckham Jr., if he doesn't re-sign with the Los Angeles Rams, he's played in that system with Sean McVay. A guy like a Julio Jones, who's played in that system in Tennessee and Atlanta under Shanahan. Those are two guys right there. Then you still have a guy like Jarvis Landry. Not to mention, you look at this draft, with I think there's a lot of receivers in this draft that can play the game of football at a very high level. But they do have to bring in somebody else, whether it's free agency or the draft or both. I have a hard time believing that OBJ is leaving LA if they try, if they make him an offer and heading to Green Bay. Well, but that's obviously, what I said, if they don't sign him back, because if they listen, don't sign it, him back, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers now. If you, right. if, I'm a receiver, and if it's one person I want to play with in my career, it's Aaron damn Rodgers because that foot, I know that football is going to be where it needs to be. I know it's going to be on a line. I know if he scrambles, I can run under and go catch it for a touchdown on a scramble play. I. You can't knock Aaron Rodgers. You can't. You say that, but Devontae Adams doesn't agree with you, apparently. He apparently played with be- them already. He played with them already. I didn't but get a chance But he had the opportunity. They, the, money, the money was the same between the Raiders and the Packers. Now, the taxes are not, but the money was the same. He had the opportunity to stay. It wasn't like the Packers didn't extend Devontae Adams or you know attempt to reach a deal with him after they tagged him. And he chose to go to a 
far different place with a very different quarterback. So it has led some people to think that maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't as attractive coming off of all the drama that has surrounded this last season as we were thinking. It is funny, Harry, because we're finding ourselves in a situation now here where yeah. we've been talking for years around about Aaron Rodgers not having the weapons around him and blaming the front office. And now <laughs> I feel like we're now. in a place <laughs> where, yeah, now. like who do we blame now? I think at this point we kind of have to start maybe looking at Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay does have the 22nd pick in this draft via the Raiders, so they could also address, as you mentioned, the wide receiver position there. Coming up next, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Arians. He is joining the show to describe when he first heard that Tom Brady was unretiring. That is next. ESPN Radio. This just in, and I'm told in my ear that this is not a joke. Tom Brady just tweeted. These past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. Ha ha, Tom Brady had us all food. Yes, he's coming back to the National Football League. This is ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Harry Douglas, joined by Amber Wilson. We're also on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80 and ESPN Plus. Now, this next guest that we have is a very special guy. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, he's the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians. And coach, the first thing I want to ask you is how many damn Kangos do you own? Oh, at least 30. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Maybe <coach>. 40. <laughs> you got to have you, summer and winter, you know what I mean? You're going to have to let me borrow some of those now. I have a lot of suits that oh, can yeah, match no your Kangos. Oh, I, yes, indeed. How would you describe the call when you first heard that Tom Brady um, was re- unretiring and would remain with the uh, Buccaneers as, a, as your quarterback? Yeah, it was hard to get that smile off my face, Albert, and uh, I couldn't get a drink in my hand fast enough. Now, Coach, first of all, by the way, I was today's years old when I learned out that those hats are called Kangles. So I don't know if that was uh, information <laughs> that I w- was just missing me. Uh, that lasted only, what, 40 days, I think, uh, Tom Brady's uh, retirement officially, uh, maybe even a little less for you if you had uh, some information there before the rest of us. But either way, a very brief retirement. What was your relationship like with Brady during that time, during his retirement? Were you communicating with one another? Oh yeah, yeah. I was always checking on him. We're, we're, you know, we trying to get a golf game. He's all over the world now, so it's hard to get him on the golf course so I can win some money. But uh, just, yeah, you know, we have a great relationship. So it's just checking on him, the family, uh, and uh, so it's been uh, it's been a great time uh, since he decided to come back. Now, y'all offensively, you just signed, uh, re-signed Leonard Fournette. I got it. I thought it was very vital and important to your offense, not just what he does in between the tackles and running, uh, but the breakaway speed and catching the ball out of the backfield. How important was he to re-sign uh, to your football team? A uh, big, big part, Harry. You know what I mean? He's a three-down back, and uh, but he's a 240-pound three-down back. With uh, Like you said, he can break away. Uh, he's great run after the catch. So he's extremely important to what we do. You also were able to uh, re-sign wide receiver Chris Godwin. We know what happened there last season with the injury. How important was that to you to get Godwin back on this roster? Oh, I think he's probably the most important player in the perimeter that we have just because, you know, he's a fantastic wide receiver, but he blocks like a fullback. And uh, I've only had a couple other guys in my career who would, would take that on. 
you know, Larry Fitzgerald, Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne later in his career, uh, guys that will mix it up and block tight end, like a tight end but can beat anybody one-on-one. Coach, one thing I love about you that a lot of people that I know that play for you say, you're going to keep things real 100% of the time. You're not going to sugarcoat nothing. You're going to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Why having that? Why, why do you think having that mindset is important? Uh, I think everybody respects honesty. You know, uh, players can look through bullshit so fast. And, uh, you know, you got to be honest. you got to be straight. I'm going to tell them, my door is always open. Um, you might not get to hear what you want to hear, but you're going to the truth. Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. So, Coach, you said you appreciate honesty. Uh, here's your time for some honesty. Is Gronk coming back? You guys have brought everybody else back. We, we asked you about Godwin. We asked you about Fournette. You've gotten the gang back together. What about Gronk? Uh, yeah, I, I got a real good feeling. You know, I, I think he's just making Tom sweat a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he was working out at the facility there for a while, and uh, he started doing some traveling. But, uh, man, he's still got a lot of great football left in him, so I hope he does. Coach, how, how much do you play in the fact that your secondary last year was uh, depleted a little bit with, through through injuries? Do you think you guys would have had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl last year if y'all wouldn't have went through all those injuries? Yeah, you know, our, our secondary played the first game and the last game, our starters. That was it. And we had – I think 12 or 13 different starting lineups. Um, you know, I, I never try to look hindsight. We had 42 seconds to, to get to the next level, and we didn't get it done. And uh, that's eating on all of us right now. Coach, you, you have a guy on your coaching staff that I, co- that I played for in Atlanta, right? Keith Armstrong, special teams coach. And I need you to send a little message back to Keith for me. Tell him on kickoff team, if that R2 and that L2 is not getting the same level as that damn ball, we're going to have an issue. He's going to get a phone call from me as quick as possible. Can you do that for me? <laughs> That's all I hear. That's all I hear every single day when I'm out there. Now, you know, you know Keith played for me at Temple and was one of my captains. And uh, I was one of the toughest kids I've ever coached. So I, I love listening to you coach. And, you know, he's not saying it as nice as we just said it. Head coach no. of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Bruce Arians on with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. So we were talking about you bringing the gang back together once Tom unretired. You also did acquire some new pieces in free agency and Russell Gage and Logan Ryan and traded for Shaq Mason. How important was it for you to go out and get some new pieces as well? Yeah, it always is. You've got to have new blood. Obviously, Russell uh, playing against him, we, we think the world of him and what he can do. And uh, we don't have to force Chris Godwin to come back too soon from that injury. Shaq Mason was huge, you know, because of, of uh, Allie's retirement. And uh, you know, he's, a, he's a road grader and the kind of guy we like, we'd love to have on our team. And, and everybody, all the guys that, you know, Logan is obviously a veteran safety who can play nickel for us. He's very multidimensional. So, um, yeah, Jason Light, our GM, does a great job of, of getting the best roster put together that we possibly can. If there's one thing that you can learn from your football team last year that can that can be to your advantage this year, what's that one thing? Uh, stay healthy. I mean, we <laughs> won the Super Bowl. We were one of the healthiest teams in the league. And we didn't quite get there. We were one of the most beat-up teams. So um, we really look back at, you know, I, I think we did very smart practices. Some of those injuries were just freaky ones. And that's football. It's going to happen. Then uh, – you know, uh, 
for us, it's just a matter of getting the Sundays healthy, and uh, we've got a, we've got a good enough football team with Tom leading it that that we can uh, compete with anybody on our schedule. Head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, joining us here on ESPN Radio. So Tom's back, the gang's back together. The expectations, I assume, for this season once again are Super Bowl or bust. You said that you need to remain healthy. What else do you need to do, though, uh, maybe a little bit more in your control uh, in terms of improvement where you feel like is an area of work that you could really that could really help make the difference in terms of getting you that championship again? Yeah, I think our second and third year players um, continue growth. You know, spring practice is extremely important for those guys. We've we've got a nice mixture of veterans and real young players. Obviously, we need a great draft to build depth um, and just continue to improve fundamentally and uh, and all our understanding of the game. So, yeah, it's a big big spring for us, and uh, and it'll be a great training camp. But uh, really look forward to putting this whole crew together. That's the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians. Coach, thank you for your time, and good luck next year. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great one. All right. So Tom is back, Harry Douglas, and they have Mm -hmm. to stay healthy. You heard him say that. We know that that was really the real issue with last season. You mentioned you don't think that they have many issues beyond that when we were talking in the pre-show meeting. This is a team that basically looks very similar to what they looked like last year with just a few tweaks here and there. Yeah, uh, the one position I would say Gronk right now, Gronk not being signed, that's my only concern, just because him and Brady, they have that relationship. And when you look at them on the football field, they do things that you can't coach just because they're so familiar with one another. Uh, right now, I think the tight end uh, that they have is Cameron Bray, O.J. Howard. I believe he went to the Buffalo Bills. So re-signing Gronk is going to be very, very important and vital to what they want to do offensively. Um, I like the moves that they made offensive line-wise uh, because they lost some guys there. And Leonard Fournette, his presence and being on this football team means so much more than people probably even understand. And Tom Brady was willing to help with his contract a little bit in order to make sure that they were able to re-sign Leonard Fournette. He, of course, chose the Bucks after visiting the Patriots and flirting with them for a brief moment before he realized, hey, I want to go back and be in that offense again with Tom Brady. I'm guessing Gronk is going to decide the same thing. There was a video that went viral on Twitter, a clip where Gronk was at a barbershop having some fun of his own after being left in the dark by Brady for a few months. So maybe Gronk is just giving it back to Brady a little bit like we all were given by Brady while he was retired, so to speak. Coming up next with Tyreek Hill now in Miami. Is the fear factor with the Chiefs offense gone? That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio. Patrick Mahomes won't have Tyreek Hill to throw footballs to anymore. So certainly that offense, Harry Douglas, is going to look a little bit different in Kansas City this season. They did bring in Valdez Scantling to help fill that void. They brought in Juju Smith-Schuster before that. They still have Kelsey. Do you think that this offense, as it's currently constructed, now without that speed of Hill, do you think that they can still get it done like we're used to seeing? Well, Amber, the first thing I'm going to say is that you cannot replace a guy like Tyreek Hill. Now, in saying that, I do believe that this this move is going to bring Kansas City back to reality. Now, when I say back to reality, I mean get back to the basics, right? Understanding that, hey, we need to run the football. Understanding that Patrick Mahomes, I need to go through all my reads and get the ball to certain places. Instead of just, hey, 
I'm going to scramble right, and I'm just going to throw it up for grabs and let Tyreek Hill get it because we've seen some of those things come back to bite this team last year, early in the year, and then we've seen that against the Cincinnati Bengals as well in the AFC Championship game. Now, you look at their roster, their offensive line right now, I think their offensive line is one of the strengths of their offense. You still have Travis Kelsey. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You got Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantley. You got a Mecole Hartman. Now, when they drafted Mecole Hartman, they drafted him with the mindset of, okay, this is a guy who is Tyreek Hill-like. He has not lived up to those expectations. Now, this is the year that he has to make that jump and be that guy. Now, I do believe when they made this trade, because I, I, I thought they should have asked for Jalen Waddle. I do believe that they're going to try to get a guy like Jamison Williams from the Alabama Crimson Tide because he is the most explosive receiver in this draft, and every time he touches the football, he can go score. So I do believe that. Yeah, they added three picks, of course, in this year's draft with this trade for Tyreek Hill, and the Hill trade was really something that they had to do. Their backs were a bit up against the wall because – Devontae Adams reset the wide receiver market and Tyreek Hill realized his worth and the Chiefs just weren't going to be able to pay it because they can't pay everybody as the top at their position and they are already doing that with several guys on their roster so essentially they kind of just could not afford Tyreek Hill and they couldn't just let him walk for nothing after this season so they went ahead and traded him I would imagine like you are that they're going to address that position at some point maybe in the draft but also, I do wonder, do you think you mentioned that, you know, some of these guys, like it's their time. Another guy we haven't seen the production from is Juju Smith-Schuster. We saw it in 2019, though, from him. So I do wonder if he turns out to be a better little piece to this offense than we're giving him credit for. Reportedly, the Steelers did want to retain him and they did make him an offer. He said that it just wasn't what he was looking for. He was looking for, apparently, to be part of this Kansas City offense. We'll see what it looks like with him as part of this and Valdez Scantling I think is important for them as well so they've tried to fill the hole but man you cannot replace Tyreek Hill ESPN Radio the latest NFL blockbuster trade the Kansas City Chiefs are sending Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins a one-handed catch touchdown Tyreek Hill four years 120 with 72 guaranteed is outstanding Tyreek Hill wanted to become the highest paid wide receiver in football Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in all of football and not just a game breaker down the field his run after the catch is incredible Tyreek Hill is certainly bringing the speed to Miami. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. So Tyreek Hill certainly bolsters that offense. There's still questions, though, Harry, about that quarterback position. And I think we're going to get them answered this season. The worst nightmare for Dolphins fans, I can tell you, as somebody who is one uh, and spent many, many years down there in Miami talking about the Miami Dolphins, is that we end up in a situation with Tua like we were in with Ryan Tannehill, where we were asking ourselves for over five years, for seven years with Tannehill, is he any good? And we never really knew whether he was good or bad. He was always like just did enough to make us question ourselves, but never enough where we really had the answer. And that's sort of like what we have with Tua. I mean, he certainly hasn't done as much, I guess, as Ryan Tannehill, but like in in. Uh, you know, short instances here. He's showing us with the dinking and dunking. He's showing us the accuracy. He's showing us some of that talent that we saw at Alabama that like, hey, maybe it's there. He just doesn't have enough time because of that terrible line. Well, the Dolphins have done everything they can to bolster this offense in terms of that O-line as well. So 
do they have enough? Now, Mike McDaniels, he had enough with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's mm-hmm. not a generational quarterback. Do they have enough now with this Dolphins offense? Ding, 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 ding. I think they have enough. And I love what head coach Mike McDaniel has done so far in bringing guys in. He's bringing that mindset that he had with the San Francisco 49ers in. You see a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, right? He's good at the RPO game. So what do you do? You get him weapons that can get that yak, yards after the catch. No one in the lead is better than uh, Tyreek Hill. You can say Debo Samuel, but I'm saying over a long period of time, Tyreek Hill has been that guy in doing that. And then you look at a guy like Jalen Waddle, who I think just needs the football in his hands. now. So now you have two guys that can use, you can just get the football, whether it's a five-yard pass, and they can take a five-yard pass, 75 yards, 60 yards, 40 yards to the house for a touchdown. Now you sprinkle in a Devontae Parker, a guy who's from Louisville, shout out to my guy Tom Jackson, who can go up and get those jump balls when you want him to go up and get them. Now for Devontae Parker, it's about staying healthy. Then you have a tight end, Mike Kosecki, um, Durham Smythe. I like what he showed last year. And then the offensive line, I like them bringing in Connor Williams from the Cowboys and then Teron Armstead from the New Orleans Saints. You look at the running back position. You have Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, who is not slow when it comes to running the football if he gets in the open field as well, to go along with Miles Gaskin. Now you have a three-headed monster in the backfield as well, and we all know from San Francisco and Mike McDaniel being with Kyle Shanahan, those guys love to rotate running backs in and out. So they're going to use all three of those guys. But I just think it's the perfect situation for Tua Tagovailoa. They also brought in Cedric Wilson over from the Dallas Cowboys. Preston Williams, I actually know Preston Williams really, really well. My dad coached him at AAU basketball. So he's the guy who was hurt last year that can actually make some noise and play the game of football at a high level. And then Lynn Bowden Jr., who's still in the roster, a guy who can at Kentucky played some quarterback, running back, receiver, did a whole different, a, a whole uh, multiple, multiple different things on the football field. So now if you want to run some trick plays, you can add that to the arsenal. But when you have a guy like Tyreek Hill, I'm going to tell you, Amber, what DBs think when they're lined up against Tyreek Hill. Oh, hell. I gotta get, I gotta get, I gotta get out my back pedal. Cause if I don't, he's gonna run by me. Now, when you have a guy like that, that defenses are scared of to go along with a Jalen Waddle, to go along with that run game. Now, I just want everybody to think about all the moving parts that they've seen to San Francisco's run game, the shifts, the motion. The guy's moving all over the place. That's the same thing. Those are some of the same things you're going to see with the Miami Dolphins now. So I like the mindset of Mike McDaniels and what he's done down there in Miami. We have a rejoin where you hear Jeff Darlington's voice when he's talking about the Dolphins, and he said this is the fastest receiving core in the NFL, and it is that now with Waddle and with Hill. And then you mentioned some of these other pieces with said Wilson and, and Preston Williams, who people probably aren't very familiar with outside of Miami, but he has shown some flashes of excellence when he's healthy. There's been definitely a health factor there as well. So Tua has the weapons around him. What I thought was funny was Tyreek Hill said in his introductory press conference, he said that one of the reasons he was excited to come to the Dolphins was because of what Mike McDaniel did with Debo Samuel and how Debo was used and I thought but Debo wants to be Tyreek Hill no I mean like Tyreek Hill is even better than Debo Samuel so now if Mike McDaniel was able to get that out of him what is he going to be able to get out of Tyreek Hill because of that speed and because of that just innate talent and that to me is so exciting to watch even though again I'm not sure about the quarterback but I'm also not sure about Jimmy Garoppolo and I've seen Amber, him in championship Amber, games, I'm a, you know? Amber, I'm going to post a video 
after we're done today. We're not done till 7 p.m., but I'm going to post a video. I had a chance. My first time seeing Tyreek Hill up and close in person is when I was with the Tennessee Titans and we played them at Kansas City. They put Tyreek Hill in the backfield. for the. It was either the first play of the game or the second play of the game. Tyreek Hill made our entire defense miss and went for a touchdown. And I said to myself, oh, my God, where did this young man come from? Because when he's running full speed and he's cutting, he is not slowing down. He is cutting on the dime at the same amount of speed as if he's going straight forward. And we all know that speed is not a normal speed that we're accustomed to seeing. That is elite speed. That is, I don't know if it's Usain Bolt, even though Tyreek Hill thinks he's faster than Usain Bolt. I don't know. He got to lay off the you-know-what. You're not faster than Usain Bolt. But it's at that level. He's fast. And to go along with a guy like Jalen Waddle, that is going to be insane to me. Now, this one thing I want to get to, though. We know the Miami Dolphins, looking at last year, 2020, that season, 2021 season, the problem wasn't the defense. They won eight or nine last game, of the last nine games. And what the Miami Dolphins have defensively in their secondary is guys who can play man-to-man coverage. And when you have guys that can line up against any wide receiver group and say, I'm banking on my guys to win and play man coverage, you have an advantage because not everybody has that luxury. New Orleans Saints are another team that had that luxury as well. And we've seen them give a Tom Brady team, Tom Brady-led team offensively, fits with all the pieces that they had offensively. So look for that defense to make even bigger strides because they probably won't be on the field as long as they were last year. Yeah, the defense was absolutely the strength of that team, and they don't have to move lose anything there. They kept that coaching staff in place on the defensive side of the ball, absent, of course, former head coach in Brian Flores. So the defense should look similar to how it looked for the Miami Dolphins. They've done a whole lot of work on this offense, which is where they needed to do a whole lot of work. But now Tua's got the weapons. Now Tua's got the protection. He's out of excuses. Coming up. The Browns' Deshaun Watson denies sexual assault claims in his introductory press conference for the Cleveland Browns. That's next. We'll unpack it. This is ESPN Radio.